dismiss all of our kids, I should say, to the workshop. Give it up for them as they make their way out. All right. How's everyone doing tonight? Oh, come on. There's more people in here than just these two rows. How's everybody doing tonight? All right. That's better. That's what I was hoping for right there. How many people think we're done with winter? How many people think we're done with winter? We talked about it last week in Williamsburg, but the Farmer's Almanac was saying that we could have the biggest snow of the year on the 10th of February. And the Weather Channel was saying that there's a 40% chance of snow now, so now our own local. So we could have more snow coming up next week. Who's pumped about that? <laughs> oh, that's fun stuff. Well, we are excited that you're here tonight, and uh, we do welcome you to the Welcome Weekend here at City Lights. We're going to be doing this at both campuses, and uh, excited um, to just be sharing this weekend as we uh, take a chance just to discuss um, what it is that God has called us as a church to do here in this area, in this community, and how you can be a part of that. And that's for some of you, um, you're trying to discover, is this the church that God's called me to? Is this the place he wants to make my home? And some of you here tonight, this is your home. You've been here. Uh, many of you, you say, this is my church. And God has a word for you too, just to reinvigorate um, what he's called you to do in this church and the part that he's given you to be in, a in this church as well. And so I'm excited for what God has to say tonight. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to have a blast. And then it's always good. Always good. It's always challenging for a speaker, but it's always good when there's food afterwards. So it's always challenging for a speaker because I know that 80% of you that are going to eat, all you can think is, I just want some chips and salsa. Will you stop talking, please? Right? I know that's what's going through your head. So don't worry, it's going through mine too. So we'll do everything we can to make sure uh, that we get to that. But um, it's going to be good stuff. Tonight we're going to be uh, mainly in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, so if you want to, and hopefully you got your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Um, but tonight, this is our welcome weekend, and we do take this uh, time, uh, four or so times a year, just to take a chance and walk through who we are as a church, what God's called us to as a church, and how you can be a part of that, how you can be invested in um, this church as a member of the church or uh, somebody who has been a member of the church, how you can further deepen your relationship with God and see what God's called you to and discover new places that you can serve and new things that he's called you to as well. And uh, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 talking about that. And uh, as we do move into this talk, we always do compare this to the idea of home and, and this is a place of of worship, but it's also a place where it's our spiritual home. It's a place where we find connections, where we develop relationships, where we develop uh, just traditions and things that just add to our life, right? And so in that, we always play around the idea of what it is to be at home and how we each have just unique things that make our home our home, right? And if like Michelle and I, we right now, we're moving, uh, well, I keep saying we are moving into, and it, we've been there for almost three months now, and I still feel like we're moving into uh, our house, um, but we've rented a house out in Williamsburg, and, and it's been fun. Um, we, how many renters do we have out there? How many renters do we have? All right, how many homeowners do we have? All right, all right, so that's a good little mix there. So it's been for us, we've been, we haven't rented in a very long time, and so for us, it's been a new challenge. It's been really freeing. It's been a lot of fun, um, because I just sit there like the other day, they put in a brand new fence in our backyard, right? Brand new fence, but they didn't stain or do anything, so some of the boards are starting to warp. And the gate door actually itself is starting to warp to a point where it won't close, right? It just won't latch. And I was like, man, that's two screws I could move and fix that. 
hey, the gate's broken. I need you to come fix that. <laughs> it was awesome. It was just really freeing. You know, it's just two screws, but you know what? I've done the home ownership thing for a while, right? I'm going to take advantage of this, enjoy the renting. And it's like, hey, you know what? And uh, so it's been freeing, but it's been challenging at the same time, too, because it's different when it's not yours, right? There's this element where you're just like, okay, I can do some things to improve it. I, I should do some things. There's some things. But at the same time, you're just kind of, I don't know if I really want to, you know? Uh, when we moved in, um, they had painted everything. It was nice. We liked the color palette and stuff, but they did a horrible job painting. I mean, horrible. It was like they had given Rylan, uh, you know, my little daughter, my five-year-old daughter, a brush, and like, here, go at it. Because, I mean, there's just brush strokes everywhere. It was just awful. So they're like, hey, can we paint? And they're like, sure. And because, like, this is looks atrocious. We've got to do something about it. And, uh, and so we called, they, they said, we'll come in and they'll fix it. They came in and they made it even look worse. And so then they're finally, they're just like, okay, you can paint. And we're like, great. Now we're on two months of trying to find a color. And so if you walk into our house right now, you'll find five or six different spots where Michelle's just in like, shh, whoosh, you know, I don't know if I like this color or not. So we're living with all these random things. It just looks awful. So please don't come over. But um, <laughs> so, so we look at it, but nonetheless, we're making it our home, right? We're, we're slowly making it our home and we've got one wall painted. So that's great. We've got no pictures up, but you know, it's, it's, it's our home and they're kind of in the corner somewhere. And so we're making it our home and each one of us, we have things that we do that make it our home. Um, it could be the way we decorate it. Maybe there's um, just a decorating style that you just uh, uh, that you just really like, right? And you just attach to. It could be an era, right? A decade that you just say, man, I like that time zone. And you just feel like if you could go back to live in the 50s, right? Then that would be where you just find yourself just in the most perfect time in all of human history. So then you just try to put your house in the 50s, right? So maybe that's you. Uh, maybe you accidentally did that and you just, you just haven't caught up uh, with modern times. But it's, it's your home you've decorated or maybe you know you got sports stuff everywhere and you you know you just kind of just made it yours or, or whatever your style is you've just done some things to make it your home um, maybe you know it's just even small things that you've done just as far as whether it be decorating or just even things you, you just don't even know that you've done that you have no control over just the smell of your home right when you walk into your house it has a smell how many of you know your house has a smell Right? How many of you know that, right? How many know that other people's houses have a smell, right? <laughs> All right? And so, so there's just things that you can see that we each do that we make things our home, right? And I know for many of you here tonight, you're asking the same question, okay? So if this is a church home, if this is our church, and, and you're exploring the idea of what it is to make this place your spiritual home, then you're asking the question is, is why City Life? Why City Life? And tonight, if you've been a part of this church for a long time and you've yet to make that decision and make that commitment. Hopefully tonight, God will speak to you and just help spur you into seeing some things that, that, um, that you haven't seen before that will challenge you to make a commitment and to make an investment into this church. And maybe you tonight, you're, you're still trying to figure it out and you even even started on that question. Maybe God will speak to you. To, maybe it's this church or another church that he's going to start speaking to you saying you need to find a place to be committed to. And the truth of the matter is it all goes back to, and we'll get to Matthew here in a minute, but... Um, but it all goes back to that we believe one central thing, and we believe that this is his house. And it says that in, in the New Living Translation of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it says that this is his house, and that we are his house. And, and if I can, I'm going to read out of the message translation, because I love the way that it puts Ephesians chapter 2. It says, God is building a home, and he's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. Fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone. With Christ Jesus as the, as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. 
all of us built into it a temple in which God is quite at home. And I absolutely love that thought, and I love the way that the message translation puts that verse, because the truth of the matter is, what we believe is, is we believe that this is his house, and that we are his house, and we believe that he's given us the local church as his gift. He's given it to us as his gift, and he's using it to build his house. And our job is to find a local church, to find a spiritual community, to get invested into, to get connected into, so that we, could feel, we can fulfill the command that Jesus Christ gave us in Matthew 28, verse 19. That we are to go into all the nations making disciples. That's the command that he's given us. And so we are able to do that and follow that command when we find a local church. And we begin to be invested in that church. And we make commitments to that church. And that church makes a commitment to us. And there establishes a relationship with each other, with individuals, but also too with a body. And through that, that God is building his temple. And he's putting things together as he sees fit in this time. And he's using this church to strengthen, encourage, and to build each one of our lives as only God could. And it's a powerful thought to think about. And a lot of times people say, I just don't know what the church is for. And, and they could throw the idea of local church out in our time and day and just say, you know what, I don't need the church. That is absolutely not the truth. Jesus came to build the church and the local church, each one of us in the local church, fulfilling his command to make disciples is God's plan and his purpose. And so as we find our part in that, we find our connection in that, we begin to discover the plans and purposes that God has for us. And so that's why this is a big conversation. This is why this is important. Because for tonight, it's not just like, how do we expand City Life? How do we add some numbers to the roster at City Life? This is a conversation for us is, is that God came, set into motion through Jesus Christ, the advancement of his kingdom. He came to build his kingdom, and he's doing that through his church. And so how do we, as followers of Christ, find a way to be committed into a church and then do what God has called us to? To fulfill the command that Jesus has given us. And so tonight, and we say this all the time here at City Life Church, it's not about our church, it's about his church. And so tonight, if you're sitting here and you hear as we begin to talk about who we are and the way we do things and the way we walk in this life or we serve in this community, and it doesn't resonate with you, that doesn't mean that the church isn't for you. It just means you haven't found the church for you. And we want to help you find that. Because we believe in the local church, and we believe it's his plan, and we want you to find that place. And so tonight for you, you need to hear that God has a plan for you, and he has a place for you. So where's your home? And we believe that this is a, an incredible home, and we believe that it's a, a healthy home, and we believe that it's a happy home. And we believe that you will find this to be a great place, right, if you hear God speak to you. So that's where we're going to be at tonight, and this is an incredible just thought as we look at this, that he's calling us to make the disciples. And just and before we get to Matthew, I just want to finish out this thought real quick on making disciples of all nations. This thought right here on, on making disciples, this is huge because I want to build off of this tonight, is in Matthew, when he says, uh, Matthew 28 here, when he's talking about the great command, and, and Jesus is saying, go into all nations and make disciples. A lot of times we take that verse as the mission of the church, which it is the mission of the church, and we say, we need to get new converts. We need to just get, that's, go and just so that people can raise their hand and say, yep, okay, Jesus, right? And that's huge, and that is a function, and as a church, we are committed to reaching the undevoted, right? People that do not have a relationship with God. But if you look at the original language, and you use the word that, you look at the word that Jesus used here, and I'm not going to pronounce it because I have a hard time pronouncing words in our own English language. And so, um, and so if you look at the word that he uses here, the word is a very complex word. 
And it's not just a simple word that conveys the idea of converts. It's a word that conveys the idea of, of in, 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 I'll put it in John Maxwell's words because he's way smarter than I am. John Maxwell put it this way. He says, it, it conveys this idea of a learning believer. And it's this idea that when we um, reach out and we begin to make disciples, that what we're doing is, is that we're, we're, we're fulfilling God's command and, and, and igniting something in somebody's heart. That when we share Christ and we share what he's done in our life, we, we open them up to a world that they could not see before. And Jesus comes into their life and he begins to open them up to the things that they could not see and that they could not hear before. And it becomes something that just doesn't change them in an instant for a moment. But it's something that continually changes them. It's not about a moment of salvation in the sense it happens at one time. But it's about the lifelong sanctification that takes place. And that Jesus is, is coming in that they have this amazing life and this abundant life that is ever growing. And that as a church, we fulfill God's command and we fulfill his mi mission when we're developing learned and learning believers. That when we're making disciples, that we're doing what God's called us to and what Jesus came to do is that people begin to discover every day more and more who he is and what he's called them to do. So with that idea, then we go into Matthew chapter 13 and we look at our main verse here. And before we do that, we're going to take some time to pray because we need him to speak tonight, right? Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to be in your house. And God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to hear from you. And God, we pray, Lord, that you speak tonight. God, that you will excite our hearts to be even further hungrier for your word. God, and that our eyes and our ears will be open to the things that you have for us individually and collectively as a church. God, that we will continue to move in your will. And we will do and fulfill what you've called us to do here in this community. Lord, we love you and praise you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, well, hopefully you're in Matthew chapter 13 because I gave you a lot of time to get there. So hopefully you're there. So if you're there, let me, let me hear you say, I got, I got it. All right, Matthew chapter 13, verse 52. Good stuff, good stuff. He says this in the uh, New American Standard. And Jesus said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household. Who brings out his treasures, things new and old. And tonight what we want you to hear is, is as you are investigating whether or not this is going to be your church home. Or if this is your church home and you're saying, God, what more do you have for me? How do you want to challenge me tonight? How do you want to excite me into the things that you've called me to do? How can I come up in these moments? As you think about that, what we want you to know and what you want, we want you to hear and what we all want to remind ourselves of is that we want to be a church here at City Life. We want it to be a house of disciples. We want it to be a house of disciples. And so if we go back to that thought there that we just shared a second ago, that, that uh, we shared off of this idea of what Jesus is, is calling us in Matthew 28, is that we want to be learning believers, right? So that's what we want this house to be, is that each one of us is continually to, or we're continually striving to learn uh, who God is and what he has for us, that we don't settle in what he had for us 20 years ago. We don't settle what, what it was like to give our hearts to Christ and to say a prayer, you know, five years ago. But that we believe that he has, as Pastor Fred has so incredibly, you know, coined this phrase, and I think you need to 
copyrighted or something like that and write a book off of it. I'm just saying it. Because every time I say it, I get excited. So, but that we believe that God has more for us and his more is always better, right? That God is not a God of the past, that he's a God of the future. And that when we look ahead, we find hope in what Jesus Christ has for us. And so that we're always looking ahead and we're always looking for more. And as we're doing that, each day we begin to learn the things that God has for us. But we also begin to learn even more and more how big he is, how full his grace is, how sufficient his mercy is. And as we go through, we look at those things and we say, God, you're so amazing. We're learning every single day, each one of us becoming disciples. And so if you look at this verse here, it's, it's shared, in, and we just read this, it's, it's an incredible verse, and it's so funny, because as I go through and study this, I was like, man, I think we could do a whole sermon series just off this verse, and take one word each day, because there's just so much in it, and that's just part of it is, I love this verse, because it's talking about the word of God, Matthew chapter 13, the whole thing is just talking about God's word being the seed that he plants in our hearts, and God's word is so rich, amen? There's so much in it that you just take one word that Jesus says, and you can take a whole sermon off that just one word. So anyway, so that's just for free for you right there. But anyway, so I'm going to do everything I can to contain myself, all right, and not go off some of these rabbit trails. But so if you go through and look at this verse, Jesus is taking time with his disciples, and he's teaching people that have been following him, and all in Matthew chapter 13, what he's doing is, is all throughout this chapter, he's showing them that there's a distinction between people who know him and people who call themselves disciples and have chosen to follow him. That there's a distinction between knowing a religion and experiencing a relationship with the living God. He's going through and making this very stark distinction, and it's an important one. He goes through all of chapter 13 making this distinction, making it clear that you can hear the word of God and that it can transform your life or you can hear the word of God and it can mean nothing. That you can hear the word of God and it could be something that absolutely changes everything for you or it could be something that maybe changes you for a moment but it's just an idea that you had and then you can walk away from it. And he concludes here in the, in the end of Matthew chapter 13, he goes on in, in verse 52 and he just continues with this thought of a scribe. And he starts off with the word scribe, and he uses that word intentionally because in that time, the Jewish people who he was speaking to, they would know what a scribe was. A scribe would be somebody in the Jewish tradition who knows the scriptures and who knows the rules and the rituals and the rites of the religion, who knows all the things you're supposed to do, but yet in those things, they don't see the truth of what God has planned. They can't see that God has come and is standing right in front of them. And so he says, a scribe who has become a disciple. So he's showing that there's a process. There's something that happens. There's a transformation that takes place that is not just about knowing, but it's about experiencing and it's about moving forward into something that God has for you. So he says, a scribe who has become a disciple. So we want to be a house of disciples. We want to be a group of people that is learning who God is and what he has for us. And so we just see this distinction that he has. And tonight the challenge for us is, is that as we look and we say, this is the place that I could become a church or this is the place that I call my home church. Are we living out a life of discipleship? Are we living as disciples that we've stepped into it and we hear the truth of God and we hear the truth of the gospel, we've embraced it and we've received it and we've allowed it to change not just what we think but to live how we absolutely live our lives. That we've allowed it to change everything we do, not just the way that we talk, but it would change the way that we live our lives, the way that we give of our time, the way that we give of our resources. That we look at this life as temporary because we constantly have our eyes on what God has set for us in eternity. Right? 
it changes everything about us, and it shows us that if we look at this, at this scripture verse and see that God has, all through chapter 13, has made this distinction that we and ourselves have to understand that at some point, we had to have made the distinction in our lives. And so tonight, it's a challenging verse just to look at that and look at your own life and say, the moment that I gave my life to Christ, if that moment existed, that I made that vow of devotion to follow Christ, if that was present, if that was uh, uh, something that has happened in my life, what do I look like now in comparison to what I looked like then? Take some time and look at that and see that. And when you see growth and you, when you see life and when you see things that have taken place, then you see this new person that you become and you're just like, wow, I'm not even close to who that old person was. You know that God is with you and you know and you can just rest that he has taken seed in your life. And that he's given you growth and he's given you new life and he's given you this abundant life. And so we go through and we look at this verse and we continue on. That there's a distinction that has to be made. But we also see too, as he says here, a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 6 it says, but Christ as the son is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. I think perhaps what you can take out of this verse is, is that Jesus is saying, I am the head of the house. And when you've become a disciple, you are becoming like me. See, when you're a disciple and you've, you've heard the gospel truth, you've heard the truth of who God is and you, you've received that. You've not just heard it and looked at it and walked away from it. You're not just playing around and poking at it. But you've received it and said, no, this is truth, this is life, and you've embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior. Man, when you've done that and you've become a disciple, then you are becoming like the head of the household. You're becoming like Jesus himself. And this is a powerful thought. And this verse right here, when he uses this phrase, continues on, and he talks about the things of new and the things of old. It's a powerful verse that Jesus is actually referring to. It's in the ideas in Song of Solomon, but it's also in Leviticus. And you can find it in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 10. And it says this, it says, You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make way for the new harvest. And see, so listen, here's what's happening is, is Jesus is beginning, he's talking to his disciples in this moment. And as he's going through chapter 13, he's just showing them and communicating to them, listen, if you hear the word of God and you hear the truth of the gospel and you receive it as truth, that it changes your life. It changes your values. It changes what's important to you. It changes everything. And when you see it change that in your life, you begin to see a power that is evident in your life. It moves you from just knowing something to having to do something, right? And this is the thing. Here at the church, one of our core values, our, our mission statement is, the core value of the church is heaven now and heaven forever. We believe that Jesus has come to give us this rich and satisfying life, as, as it says in John 10.10. Some translations say an abundant life. Listen, God has come to give us an abundant life through Jesus Christ. And if you look at this verse, the powerful verse in it, the Jews knew when Jesus said the things of new and the things of old, he knew, they knew that it was about abundance. They knew that it was about when you look to God, that God takes care of all of your needs here on the earth, and that he'll take care of everything forever, that you'll never have to worry about a single thing, that when you look to God and you trust in him, that his promises are true and that he will take care of everything, and that he will work out all things for your good. Good, and that there's nothing that you have to worry about. 
They know this to be true, and so they look at this verse, they hear him say this, and they're saying, man, so what he's saying is, is that when I become a disciple who knows the gospel, who's heard the gospel, I've embraced it and I've received it, that I'm going to become like him. When I become like him, not only am I going to be able to just know things, but I'm going to be able to do things. I'm going to be able to teach the word of God. See, Jesus is exciting his disciples to say, listen, it's not just about knowing something and becoming a part of a group that has this idea around a concept. It's not about just being part of a group that says, hey, you know what, you can know something or you can put a badge on and say, yep, I'm part of this group. It's about being a part of his kingdom. And his kingdom is about abundance. His kingdom is about advancement. His kingdom is about people knowing the love that God has for them and the grace that he offers them through Jesus Christ. And he's saying, listen, when you believe the gospel, when you embrace the gospel, you become a disciple, you become like me. And I am somebody who doesn't just sit back and wait, but I'm somebody who's going to aggressively go after the lost. Right? I'm going to be a disciple maker. And that's what he's done. And so he's saying, you're going to do the same. And so out of my riches, out of all the wealth that I have, I'm going to give you things from the old that you never even know. In Leviticus, when it's talking about this, it, you, the, the, the verse that it's there they're talking about the grains that even corn, it would last you three years because it would just be so good that you just get to this point where you say, I don't even know what to do with this corn anymore. And you just take the corn and you're just like, I got even more corn coming in. I got to take this corn and just start giving it to everybody, right? You just start taking it. You're just like, here's some corn, dude, here. I'm going to sell this in the store. I'm going to take this. I'm going to give it to the needy. I'm going to, you know what? My kids need to take corn with them to school, right? And it's just this idea. I don't know what to do with all this corn. It's the same thing in Christ that when you come to him and you start looking at scriptures and you start looking at all the truth of who God is, you start looking at all these things, and it overwhelms you with abundance. It overwhelms you with this joy and excitement that, wow, God is massive, and he's loving, and he's caring, and he's generous, and he's gentle, and he's humble. And you look at all these things, you begin overwhelmed, and you can't help but do anything but start telling everybody about it, right? And as you start telling, you're getting out, you can't get it out fast enough without your barn starting to fill up again, right? That's the abundant life that God's called us to. That when we set out to be disciples, that we're learning believers. When we're saying, God, I want to know you, and I want to know this abundant life that you've given me. God, I want to know the things you've called to me. He excites you, not just to know him in the sense of having this knowledge that he exists or having this knowledge of the rules that he's given you. But he's saying, listen, I'm going to call you to do something, and I'm going to empower you to do something. And from my riches, right, from all that I possess, I'm going to pull out from my treasury all the things that you need so that you can go and do like I've done. And that's an incredible thing to think about as a church, that when we say we want to be committed to be a house of disciples, we want to be a church that just doesn't come together for formality. We don't want to be a church that just comes together so that we can say we had church. But we want to come together so that we can worship the one true living God. So that when we're in this place, we're lifting up our hands and our voices, believing that God is receiving our praise. Right? And that when we take our words and we lift up our needs to him, that he will take care of those needs because he's a God who hears our prayers. Right? And we believe that tonight, I loved it, we were just sitting there, I was overwhelmed during worship when God gave these two incredible people a word to speak tonight. It's just exactly what it said, and then, and then Vanessa got up there and said exactly what I wanted to say, that God has something new for us every single day. That it's not just about the old things, it's not just about going back and saying, oh, okay, this happened and here's some rules and here's some, you know, scriptures that he said. And I don't really know what that scripture means and does he mean to put that scripture verse in the Bible? I don't know if he did or not. You all know what I'm talking about, right? It's the scripture verses they talk about on the way to youth camp. So anyway, so 
right? Right, Juice? Right? Yeah. All right. So you go through and you look at it, and it's not just the things of old, but it's the things of new that he builds upon those, that he took what the prophet said, and he took what the apostles said, and he didn't just stop there, but it's you and I that we're an active part of God's kingdom, and that he's building his house through each one of us, and he's calling us to be disciples and to be disciple makers, and that's a huge thing. That's a massive thing that should give us joy, that we're a part of God's kingdom. It's not just some stationary belief system. It's not just something that means nothing, that we just come together and hopefully feel better about ourselves, but that we're engaging with the living, active creator of the universe. That when we call out to him, he is responding to us. And not only is he responding to us, but he's pursuing us. And that's the life that he's called us to, and it's an abundant life. It's an amazing life. It's a good life. And so as a church, we want to be a house of disciples. And we do that when we begin to understand what God's given us each individually. We begin to share that with other people. And as Paul says in, in uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says that be an imitator of me as I imitate Christ. That we begin to go and we see that God is through each one of us building something that we couldn't build on our own. That he's taking you and he's taking me and he's taking all of our perfection, imperfections and perfections. He's taking all of the things that, that we look at as messes and he takes it all the things that we look at as successes. And he puts them together and he starts taking you from one area to another area. And he's moving us around so that you and I can encourage each other to know him even that much more. And as we know him that much more that we are able to then together stand and scream to this community the glory of God. See, listen, if you're thinking about becoming a part of this church, know that God has people here so that you can grow closer to him. If you are a part of this church, God has people here so that you can grow closer to him. And he has you here so you can help other people grow closer to him. We want to be a house of disciples. That we know that his promise and his invitation is this. That he has one promise and one invitation, that we be like him. Right? That's his invitation is that we be like him, that he invites us to say, listen, it's not just about what you can do, it's about what I have done. It's not about where you are, it's about where I want you to be. It's not about the temporary things here in this world, it's about the eternity that I have and that I'm building for you. Right? It's about what Jesus has done. The whole thing is about Jesus. And when we know that to be true and we look to him, then we begin to understand the direction that he's laid out for us. And our aim is Jesus. And here at City Life, we believe that one invitation that he's given us is to be like him. And that each one of us, we have a chance to help each other to know God and to be more like him as we strive to be like him ourselves. And for us in our context as a church, we believe that he's speaking to us and giving us a clear uh, for us, but yet ever-changing idea of what discipleship looks like and how that, that, that process takes place. And you'll hear us refer to it a lot as the 1, 6, the 12, and the 24. And even we were joking about earlier, that's like the, the passcode to figure out city life, right? That's the combination. It's a locker combination. If you can get the 1, 6, 12, and 24, a whole new world opens up to you, right? So we look at it and we say, man, okay, this, we believe that God's given us this clear, but yet still developing and still being tweaked. But for us direction of plan of how we are going to be a house of disciples and we say this that if you if you embrace the one then you're going to be able to through him fulfill the six that jesus has come and he's given us commands central to his teaching that he's got six things that when we look at these when we look at his teachings 
that help us to understand that what we should do and how we should live our life as Christians. And so we want to step into those, and we want to challenge you in those things. And if you're like, what are the six? I'm not going to tell you tonight. You're going to have to come to El Tapatio, all right? And so, so we want to step into those things, and we want to walk our life out, and we want to live through those things. But here's the amazing thing. is that Jesus, again, it shows his rich abundance, and it shows how good he is and how amazing he is. Matthew 11, verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you. Listen, there's work that's got to be done. Step into the work. Put it on you. Know what I've called you to do and step into it, right? And let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Listen, he's got a promise for you. To be like him and to know this abundant, rich and satisfying life that he's given us through Jesus Christ. That's his promise to you. And if you embrace that one promise, that invitation to be like him and to to accept the life that he's given you, then you through him will be able to fulfill the six that he's called you because he's going to teach you. He's going to walk alongside you. He's going to encourage you and he's going to say, listen, I want you to be like me and here's how to do it. Let's walk together. I'm not just the God who's going to say, let's figure it out on your own. I hope you get it. But he's not only just going to say that, he's not just going to reveal to us what to do, but he says, I have made the way and I am with you. And I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to show you my truth. And I'm going to reveal it to you. And there's going to be times when you're going to fall straight on your face. There's going to be times when you're going to walk the other way, but I'm with you. And you're going to learn through your experiences. You're going to be able to take the old things that you've experienced and where you used to be and look at where you are now. And it's going to give you a hope for where you're going to be, right? You're going to be able to talk to somebody else and you're going to be able to encourage them through your story. Somebody's going to come to you and you're going to find out where they are. And you're like, wow, their past is my present, right? And God's going to use them to start encouraging you. And you start looking and you say, wow, I think God's doing something. God's putting something together. Hello, it's his plan. This is the church. And he's going to walk through it. And he's going to be with us. He reveals to us his plan. He reveals to us his commands. The things that we need to step into. That we need to take responsibility for. But, and his grace and his goodness. And as a loving God says, I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to teach you. And as you step into those six. Not only am I going to do that. But I'm going to show you that I've given you the path. I'm not just going to leave you in the distance and say, listen. Here's the six things you've got to figure out. But I'm going to walk with you. And I've got some paths for you. And those are the 12 pathways that we talk about as a church. And these pathways are ways that as we step into them, as we step into scripture, as we step into giving, as we step into rest, as we step into these things, that we're going to be able to find out who God is. And we're going to be able to walk in the goodness of God. Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 20 says, By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain to the most holy place. Listen, he's going to give you, and he has given us through Jesus Christ, a promise. And if we embrace that promise, it gives seed to the life, the rich, satisfying, abundant life that God has for us through Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I'm going to help you to live out the life that I've commanded you to live. And I'm going to show you how to live that life. And all the while, I'm going to be helping you to become like me, the house builder. I'm going to help you to become like me, like Jesus. He reveals the 24 virtues that we've identified as a church, as things that that should be present in our lives as we're following Christ, embracing this promise that he's given us. And as we do that, we don't just become a house of disciples, but we become a house of owners. 
And we begin to own the things that God has given us as a church. And we own the things that he's given us as individuals. That we look at moments and we look at circumstances and situations and we're like, I don't know if I could do that. But we sense and we feel that God's called us to it, so we step into it anyways. Because we believe that God is building his home through us in this local church. And then if you and I are responsible for each other, if you can encourage me and I can encourage you, if God is speaking through each one of us and we are each helping each other to follow Christ, then we need to step into the opportunities that God's given us. We need to take ownership of those things. And so as a church, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're not just sitting in seats, but we're taking responsibility in being the church, right? And so we want to step up, and it looks a thousand different ways in this church, whether it's serving, whether it's giving, whether it's helping out in the nursery, or whether it's helping out in the outreach, or whether it's going over to a friend's house and just saying, listen, I don't know why, but God gave me this word, and I just feel like I have to speak it to you. That as we just trust God and we be obedient to him and what he's commanded us to do, and we walk in the pathways that he's given us, he begins to make us more like him, and we take ownership of this life that he's given us here and now, trusting that he's gone ahead of us and then whatever we do and we just walk into it and trust him that he's got more for us it becomes this rich and satisfying life and it becomes this fun life this exhilarating life of God's goodness and of God's hope and so as a church there's going to be things that we're going to do and there's going to be things that we're going to step out into whether it be new opportunities or changes in in the way that we flow or how we do something because we want to chase after God and we want to chase what he has for us next we want to continually be learning and how we understand God and how he's speaking to us and so we're going to hold on to the things that are true right we're going to stay close-fisted on the things that matter that Jesus Christ is Lord of all right that we need him we're going to we're going to stay true to those things and we're going to hold on to those old truths but we're going to embrace some new truths as well Right? And we're going to allow God to challenge us and speak to us. And there's going to be transitions that are going to take place. But it's because we want to be a part of the life that God's given us an opportunity now. And we want to grow in him. And we want to see what he's given us a chance to do to reveal Jesus Christ to somebody else. We want to live this life where we go through and we look at it and we say, man, I'm doing everything. I'm sharing all that God's got in my heart. And there's these things that have just been in my heart for years. And I'm sharing them and sharing them. And he keeps filling me up. And I can't stop sharing them. And we find life in that. And we find excitement in that. We're just like, man, I've been giving and I've been doing this and I've been serving. But instead of it wearing out, I'm finding life and joy in those things. Right? And so we step out into new opportunities. And as a church, maybe we move into a new opportunity. That's not reason for, for discouragement. That's not reason to say, okay, I don't know if that's for me. That's reason to say, you know what? If we are together and God's called us to do that, then let's walk into it and see what God has for us. If that's the more he has for us, then let's come up together, right? And so we're going to step into those things and we're going to do those things. And at the same time, we are going to hold on to some old things as well. You know, for us as a church... We're going to make sure that we hold on to our mission and our goal of becoming a house of disciples. So we're going to stay focused on reaching the undevoted. But we're also going to stay focused on reaching the disconnected. The people that have been a part of the church and been hurt by the church. God's called us to reach those people and to embrace those people and love them back into the church and show them God's grace and mercy. We also want to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to reach out to the disciples. That you don't find this a place where you feel stagnant, but yet you feel like you're overwhelmed with the depth of what God has for you. 
that you don't feel like you're in a place where you're just like, I just don't know if this has enough for me, but you sit there and you look at it, wow, God has so much more for me. And, that, and even in that, that you find that you're in a place where you can give so much more to somebody else. So we're going to stay focused on those things. We're going to stay focused on, on what God has called us to do as a church and believing that couples are best when they're doing ministry together. We're not going to worry about gender ceilings. We're not going to worry about team based, or we're not going to worry about those different, we are going to worry about team based decisions. <laughs> we're, we're not going to worry about just, uh, we're not going to be caught up in some idea, you know, that just, just one person has this idea, but that God's called us to work together. And so an old tradition, a thing that's going to keep us grounded and rooted is that he's called us to do team-based decisions, that we're going to hold on to that idea that we work better together, right? And he's called us to serve together and to love together. And as we hold on to those things, we begin to walk out this promise that he's given us, fulfilling the six through Jesus Christ, right? Walking in those 12 paths together and becoming like Christ. And we see as we look at the scripture, you go through Matthew chapter 13, we see the abundance that Christ talks about. That when a seed is planted in good soil, that it produces 30, 60, 100 times more than was ever planted. Leviticus, that you can't empty your barns fast enough, right? Because there's so much new harvest coming in. It's this idea of abundance, this idea of goodness. And does it mean that everything's going to be perfect? No way, Right? In fact, Jesus says that his disciples are going to go out. As they go out, they're going to be crucified. They're going to be, they're going to be tortured. They're going to be, right? That's encouraging, right? But what he's saying is it's not about our circumstances. It's about this life that I've called you to that's eternal. It's abundant. It's good. And you step into it when you embrace the local church as his plan and his purpose. And you find your place in that. So as the band makes forward, makes their way forward, started off tonight with saying that there was a distinction that Jesus makes using in this verse that we've looked at what a scribe is and what a disciple is. That a scribe knew all of the all of the scriptures. I mean, they could quote entire books, if not the entire Bible, at the time. They knew all the things that they were supposed to do, all the, the laws that Moses had written out. They, po- they performed every single one of them flawlessly. The thing that they hoped for, the thing that they were longing for, and that they wanted to see and experience, Jesus was standing right in front of them. And they didn't see it, and they couldn't hear it. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says that he uses parables because there's people that are not going to hear the scripture. They're not going to hear the gospel. So he speaks in parables because the ones that are going to hear it are going to hear God speaking to them. And tonight, I just believe this, that I believe that God is speaking to some of you tonight. And that when you look at your own life and you look at where you are and the journey that you're on, And you think about your relationship with God and you think about where you are in in that. That you see a lot more knowledge, you see a lot more ideas and concepts than you see life. 
that when you think about following God and living out the life that God's given you, what you see is you see a lot of rules and regulations. You see a lot of your shortcomings and failures instead of seeing God's grace. Instead of seeing Jesus coming alongside you and helping you to overcome. And tonight, if that's you, if you find yourself in a place where you say, if I had to make a distinction, if I had to say, I see the abundant life that God has called me to in my life, I see it present. Doesn't mean that I have a lot of stuff, but it means that I am full of grace and joy. I see these virtues that we talk about of peace. I see these things present in my life in an abundant way. And they, they produce so much in me that I can't help but share that. When you see that present in your life, when you see a hunger for God's word in your life, and you see a desperation to know him more, that every day you want to learn more of who he is and learn more of what he has for you, when you see that, you can rest that you are his. But when you don't see that, is there concern, is there question of where you are in God? And if that's you tonight, and if you hear God speaking to you saying that's you, then tonight you can just say, God, I hear you. God, I am yours. I believe that you died for me. And God, I hear your word. I receive it. I receive this abundant life that you've given to me. I believe that you've prepared my heart. And I can't wait to see of the abundance that you produce in my life. So as we take a chance to sing this song, just worship God. If you find yourself and you're living your life out for God and you know who he is and you have a relationship with him, you made a vow of devotion and you see the abundance of God's goodness in your life. Tonight, will you just stop and say, God, what do you have for me? You've called me to be a part of this church, yes, so that I can hear your word and I can grow, but also too, so that I can grow in by sharing and giving. God, that I believe that I cannot outgive what you've given me and my talents and my resources. I can't outgive it. So, God, what do you have more for me? How can I step into this so that more people can know of the goodness that I know to be true in my life? That is Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him, say, Here I am. I'm yours. me